right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful again for the opportunity to be here this morning and to, to not only lift up our voices and praise and worship you, we're thankful for the monies we're going to receive, for the offering, for the missions. We're thankful, Lord, that we have a place that we can come and sit under the preaching and teaching of your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in our midst today and draw each of us closer to you. Those that are watching on the live stream, we pray, Lord, the same for them. And whether someone's watching via live stream or is attending the service this morning, if they're here or watching and they've never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray that this would be the day that that still small voice that's speaking to their hearts, they would realize that's the Lord calling them. And I pray that today they'd get saved. But then, Lord, we rejoice in what took place at camp this past week. Again, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we could be a part of it. For each of the decisions that were made, for the boys and girls that received Christ, help them to grow in the faith and in the knowledge of their Savior. Help those who were at camp that had already made a decision for Christ, help them to live for the Lord. I just pray that, that what they, the excitement and the fervency that they return home with, spiritually speaking, from camp, will be borne out in their lives in the days and weeks to come. That their light will shine bright in a world that desperately needs to see the light of Jesus. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to say, if, we're glad to hear young people sing that song, because if there's ever a truth that this generation knows, it's this. We do not define for ourselves who we are. Don't miss that. You know, we're in this transition here. People are leaving, people are moving. But it, our culture needs to know this, that we're on this mission of self-discovery in our world today, but God defines who we are. God tells us who we are. But not only does God, do we not define ourselves, but other people don't define who we are. We have a personal relationship with Christ. So thank the Lord for that. Take your Bibles, please. And go to the book of Romans in chapter number 6, please. Romans chapter 6. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Romans. And the theme has been, as you see, good news for a broken world. So hopefully you, got, you received a copy of the notes this morning and you can follow along with us. And our theme verse... I'd like to, us to just say that this week. Our theme verse is from Romans chapter 1. My goal is by the end of this that you could probably say it without the screen, that we'll just accidentally memorize these two verses. That's my sinister plot underneath the, 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 my method here. So let's try this together. Uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Begin. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the right, I mean, verse 17, now we need it, here we go. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that's the truth that as broken as this world is, the Bible tells us why it's broken. And it gives us the remedy, the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you look with me at chapter 6, today's text is the second half of the chapter. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 11, 
And I want you to notice verse number 12, just as we begin. I'm just going to read one verse to start. Romans 6 and verse 12, it says this, Let not sin, therefore, what's the word? Reign. Don't give it control. Don't give sin power. Don't give sin authority in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Don't give the power to sin. Actually, let's read the next verse too. Verse number 13. Neither, key word, would you say this one with me? Neither what? Yield. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but, help me out, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members of, as instruments of righteousness unto God. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the yielded life. Now, last week, in the first 11 verses, we talked about the new life in Christ. And the point was this, that we spent five chapters in the book of Romans talking about how to be made right with God. We spent five chapters saying, hey, we are made right, we are justified, we receive eternal life entirely by what? We receive eternal life and justification entirely by, by faith. Entirely by faith. It's not what we do. It's not how hard we try. It's not how good we have to be. So then some people might ask the question, well, then what does it matter how we behave? And we answered that last week. Should we just then go ahead and live however we want because we're saved by grace through faith? And the answer is, God forbid. Of course not. And so what we started to talk about was the second part of our salvation. In these next chapters in the book of Romans, they talk about the, the second part of our salvation. Our salvation began with our justification, that we are declared to be righteous before God. But now we talk about our sanctification. So let's see how well, if you're like me, you're tired this morning. Maybe you didn't go to a whole week of camp, but maybe you worked really hard all week. So the first part of our, the first part of our salvation, what's that key word for it? It starts with a J. It is our justification. We're made right. We're declared right before God. The second part now is our sanctification. Can you say that one with me? It's our what? That is how our lives are being changed and made more holy. Now, the moment we get saved, God says, you are holy. You belong to me. This was our theme last week. But progressively, that has to get worked out in our life every single day. So the point is this. In Christ, in verses 1 through 11, I learned that my old man, who I used to be before Christ, what happened to that old man? He's what? Yeah, he's dead. He died. He doesn't exist anymore. But now, after I've received Christ, I have a new man. I have, just like Jesus died and rose again, my, who I used to be, my old identity, died with Christ at salvation, and now I have a new ability, I have new life living inside of me. Now, the real bonus question from last week. What is the picture of that death of the old man and new life for the new, for the new person? That my old self died, my new life came alive. What is the picture of that? It's baptism. In fact, if you, if you came today and you're like, what is this box on the platform? This box is actually filled with water. 
And in just a few minutes, at the end of the service, we have, um, we have five individuals that are going to be baptized in the water. We, don't, we follow the biblical method of baptism. We don't sprinkle a little water on their head. We don't do that. What we do is we, their whole body gets into this tank, and they're going to sit down in here, and we're going to say, you are buried in the likeness of his death, and you are raised in newness of life. And we're going to celebrate. Amen, church? We're going to celebrate. We're going to rejoice. Be- not because that water does anything. There's no, there's no power in the water to wash away anybody's sins. There's no power in the water to change anybody's hearts. The water symbolizes what the Holy Spirit has already done. The Holy Spirit, the moment a person believes on Christ, who, who they were is no longer alive, and they have new eternal life in Christ. And the last week we talked all about that. But now, in the, the following verses that we've already started to read, it gets really, really practical. All right, so let's ta- talk about some practical steps. So Ethan, if I have, if the Bible says I have this new life in Christ, then how do I start to experience that sanctification? How do I start to experience God transforming me? Well, it comes through this key word that we looked at, and that is the word yield. Yield. Every day, as I drive to the office where I work, I come to this really weird roundabout. It's like, has anybody ever been on, you probably don't get down there very often, but it's on Memorial Drive in Chicopee, Massachusetts, all kinds of stuff going around, and there's a Dunkin' Donuts over there, Westover Road takes you to the Air Force Base, and for some reason, whoever engineered this, I don't know what was going on in their head, but there are multiple traffic lights and a rotary all converging together. It's, in, it's insanity. So you go there, and as I'm approaching the, the, one of the final turns to get to my office, I get there, and there is a triangular sign. All right? Now we're going back to driver's ed. For some of you, it's been a while, a long time ago. There's a, some of you, not so long ago. I see Lily just checking to make sure you got it right, right? James is pretty recent, all right? So, so that re- will test you. Now we're going to really put you on the spot. That rectangular sign, it's white. With a, oh, oh, sorry. I'm just going to go sit down and give up. I, this is going to be the way the rest of the message goes, I think. That, yeah, rectangular. That circular sign. You know, so that, that triangular sign, right? A triangular sign, white sign, red with a word usually in the middle. What does it mean? It means, it means yield. It doesn't mean stop. And I think this is a kind of a cool picture. Maybe I'm getting a little too into it, but I think it's a cool picture. The, no, the... The yield, sign, the yield sign that I see every day is red and white. It's red and white. Maybe different states have different signs. This one is red and white. How many of you have seen a red and white one before? Oh, good. I thought I was really bad. You've also seen the yellow ones. We're going to have a church split over this right now. Man. They both say yield. You know what I like about a yield sign? I like that I don't have to come to a complete what? I don't have to come to a complete stop. It's there for guidance. 
But I had certainly better do what? I'd better slow down, and I'd better evaluate my surroundings, and I'd better go with some guidance. And obviously there was no yield signal in the time when the book of Romans was written. It would have been red and white if there was one, but there wasn't one. But the principle is the same. We understand it. And it's almost as if, here I am, I have this new life in Christ. And a couple of themes we're going to see today is I have freedom in Christ. We sang about it. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's this freedom. There's this liberty. Some people just, they live their Christian life in fear. They're like, stop. You know, they're unsure. I have this freedom in Christ. He's leading me. We're walking together. But he also is telling me to be watchful. And that he is going to move in my heart. He's going to use the scriptures. He's going to use the Holy Spirit. And he's going to challenge me to say, hey, as you take that next step, are you yielding to me? Are you letting me have first place? So I come to this point in my life, I stop, I slow down, and I say, God, I'm going to yield so that you can lead. I'm going to yield so that you can lead me. And so a couple of things, I'm going to move this through this as, as quickly as I can. Um, in a verse I wanted to share with you too, just to, from the book of 2 Corinthians is this. I put it in your notes. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Don't you love this? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so in both in Romans and in Corinthians, this is the same theme. So first of all, let me show you this in verses 12 through 14. 12 through 14, God gives us the power to yield. Now, that sounds kind of like a bit of an oxymoron, power and yielding. Well, notice what happens. In verse number 12, it says this, Let not sin, therefore, and this was the word we all said together before, reign. In other words, before I knew Christ as my Savior, what was sin doing in my life? It was reigning. It was in control. Now, I thought that I was in control. I thought, well, I did what I wanted to do. And there are a lot of people that say, well, I could never live my life by the Bible because I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can live my life. I understand. But really, when we say that, we're under self-delusion and we're living in self-denial. Because the fact is, we are always under the control or power of something. Of something. And what the scriptures reveal to us is this. That before Christ, we were being controlled by sin. In other words, it was our desires that went first. And we were under the power. Now, sometimes this is really obvious. It's really obvious in the form of addictions or habits. And so you may have come from that kind of a background where you're like, you know what? Yeah, my life was controlled by alcohol. My life was controlled by drugs, or I was, I was addicted to, to sexuality or pornography, and I had these things that just controlled my life, and, and, and I was addicted to them. Sometimes it's more subtle, though. And it's, it's not so blatant and obvi- obvious like an addiction. Sometimes it's subtle, and sin is reigning in our mind, and in the way we think, and in our decision-making. It doesn't seem so obvious to us, but we're going along with a culture and a world system that is just telling us what to think and what to believe. That's what he says. But now here's what's happened. Because of Christ, because of everything we read in the previous verses, he says, you don't have to obey that anymore. You've been, and in verse 13, neither yield ye your members 
Neither yield to your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 14, I want you to read this one really strong with me. Ready? Say it like you believe it. Go. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Read it again. Ready? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Grace always empowers. We looked at that last week. It's the power to resist. It's the power to choose. It's the power to say no to my desires. You see, something supernatural happens when you accept Christ by faith. What happens is he gives you now the ability to not just go with those thoughts, to not just go with those sinful passions, but you now have the power to say no. You can yield yourself to God. You have that power. Before Christ, you were powerless to do that. You try, you, try, you, do, you put out effort, you, you exert yourself, but the fact is you are still under the control of sin. But because of God's grace, you have the power to yield. You have the power to resist. Interesting, interesting uh, phrase in here that is going to come up in the next point. I want you to see this. He talks about yielding yourselves back in verse number 13. Back in verse 13, neither yield ye your members as what? Instruments. What does he mean by members? Interesting. Yeah, the parts of who you are, your physical body. I think you can also, uh, some translations put this, um, they say, yield your whole self. The idea of all of the parts of who you are, your members. I have physical members, I have emotional, I have mental members, I have all the parts of your being. He says this, our bodies are used as what? Instruments. The question is, who is picking up the instrument and who is playing the strings? Our bodies, our hands, our thoughts, our speech, the places we go, these bodies that we've been given, they're either being used for the glory of God or they are instruments bringing dishonor to God under the power of sin. You'll never, ever watch, you'll never see one of those guitars get up and play itself. I don't think we've arrived at that level of artificial intelligence yet. You're not going to see that happen. The instrument is picked up. It is fully yielded to the hands of the musician. Fully in the power of the musician. And we have been given now in Christ this power to choose. I now, I'm not a slave to, to sin. I'm free to choose. So there's power to yield. And then I've already said it. Secondly, look at verse 15 through 20. He talks about the freedom we have to yield. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? This is the second time this question has been asked. We saw it in verse number one. We see it again here. So Ethan, are you saying that because we have this freedom, we can just live however we want? What's the answer once again? God forbid. Again, that's the, most, that's the strongest English equivalent they could come up with. The Greek is just super emphatic. No, no way, absolutely no, 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 no. God forbid, absolutely not. Know ye not, verse 16, don't you realize 
that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. He says in verse 16 that you're going to serve someone. The question is, who are you yielding your life to? Verse 17, but God be thanked. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have, notice this phrase, circle it, underline it, mark it in your mind at least, ye have what? Obeyed, but, but how? From the heart. Ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. You see, what's happened now is we have this freedom in Christ. It gets so misinterpreted, so misinterpreted. Anytime you say to someone, you know, you really should think about your life choices. I'm not sure that going to that place or engaging in that lifestyle, I'm not sure that really brings honor to God. A very fleshly person will answer, and they know their Bible, but they also have a fleshly heart. They're going to answer and say, hey man, I have freedom in Christ. I have freedom in Christ. They're like, hey, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying we need to take the Bible and apply it to our lives. And we're supposed to be, as, as the scriptures say, perfecting holiness in the, right, in, the, in the fear of God. They say, hey, you don't tell me how to live. Don't judge me. I have freedom in Christ. You see, they miss the point. Miss the point of freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ, it set me free from an evil master. It set me free from, I was a slave to sin. But Jesus set me free not to be, but listen, if he just set me free, then who would I be a slave to? Myself. I'm no better master than the world is. But Jesus in his grace and his goodness didn't set me free to live according to the world. He didn't set me free to live according to my own ideas. He set me free to be his servant, to live for him, to live in a way that my life would honor him. And so he's looking for willing servants. He's looking for willing hearts. The opposite extreme, so this has been a problem in the church since the very beginning. It's, it's called um, license or lasciviousness versus legalism. On the one hand, you have people that live a life of license, where they just think, well, they have grace, so they'll live however they want, and it dishonors the Lord. But then on the other side, you have people that live in legalism. And they're obeying on the outside, but for whom are they obeying? For themselves. To see how good they can be. God is looking for hearts that are yielded. God is looking for people that will say, I will serve you because I love you. Look at what Jesus said. In fact, this is John chapter 14. John 14, this is actually in the upper room just hours before Jesus died. Literally, hours before he goes to the cross, his disciples are gathered, and he says to his disciples, if you what? If you love me, what will you do? 
Yeah, you'll keep my commandments. You'll obey. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then down in verse 23, he continues, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So if you've ever asked the question, and you've said, well, you, you mean you can receive Jesus as your Savior and then live however you want? You've missed the whole point. Because Jesus says, if a person truly loves me, their life is going to change. They're not going to be perfect, but they'll start to live out the yielded life. Where I say, God, you first. You lead me because I love you. So willing servants, willing hearts, and then we use these members as willing bodies. Down in verse number, verse number 19. Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men. In other words, I'm using, what, he's, what he means by that is, I'm using a human illustration. That's what he's saying. I, I'm, I'm bringing this down to basic level as, as you think about your literal physical body. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. In other words, we're just weak people. We're just weak people and we need the simple teaching of God's word. As ye, have therefore, as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. We can debate lifestyle and choices and what the Bible's clear on and what it's not. I'm, I'm all willing to debate that. But for the principle, I love what the old preacher said. The old preacher said this. He said, he said, God did not give you this hand to hold a bottle of liquor. God did not give you these lungs to fill with mind-altering and this brain to be controlled by mind-altering substances. Friends, I know it's 2022, get something right. You might, might have my colors, but I'll get that right. God still calls his children to live holy lives. He didn't create your eyes to, to lust after pornography. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't create your feet and your body to party with the world. He created it to sing the praises of your creator, to dance in joy before the Lord, to speak the Word of God. And again, you're gonna, there's things that the Bible is clear about. There's things that the Bible calls us to use our discernment about. I understand all of that. But the point is this. We live in a day where Christians have become completely undiscerning. And, com and they don't, they, they, they're flippant about things that our Christian forefathers would have warned us about. We are called to be holy. We are called to raise our children in the fear of the Lord. We are called to use these bodies as members of righteousness. And hey, I'll just, I'll just bring it straight here this morning. God might be convicting your heart right now. There might be a lifestyle decision that you've been taking lightly. And God spoke to your heart and said, I did not save you for that lifestyle. I did not save you for that behavior. 
I did not save you to, your lips to lie. I did not save I did not save your soul for it to be filled with anger. I did not save you for this. Your instruments, your members, your members are instruments for me and for my glory. We need to be yielded. And I don't stand here with any self-righteousness. There are, if you could examine my life, sure, you would, I'm just like you. I'm in the struggle. I don't always yield. Sometimes I'm approaching that sign and I just boom, fly on right through it. But we all need these checkpoints, these reminders to say, wait a minute. Let's yield for the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's surrender to Christ. That's what true Christianity is. A disobedient, unholy Christian is a whole testimony to the world that Jesus doesn't work. But what a beautiful thing it is when we behave like the bride of Christ. People say, wow, look at that kindness. Look at that love. Look, who, look, look at what Christ has done in their lives. Willing hearts, willing bodies. We are to be holy before the Lord. And then lastly, we finish with this in verses 21 through 23. This isn't all hard and mean. He teaches us at the end that there's an awesome blessing. There's a happiness. There's a peace that comes from yielding, uh, from living the yielded life. There's a joy that comes from it. In fact, so look at the blessing of yielding in verses 21 and 22. 21. For what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now what? Ashamed. For the end of those things is death. I became a Christian when I was very young. I was a very young child. I put my faith in Christ. Some of the people that will be baptized today are very young. They made the decision at an early age. But how many of you got saved at, after the age of 16 years old? Anybody in here who said, I came? Go ahead. So there's quite a few people. You came to know Christ after your late teen years. Thank you. As you look back in your life, there are things that you're probably ashamed of. And I'm not saying that to put any guilt on you today. Actually, the, the point is this. You've been delivered from all of that. You've been set free. I mean, I, I can't tell you. You, you. Just a few weeks ago, if you were here, you, you saw me and seven of my, or six of my siblings and some of the in-law siblings all singing up here to the glory of God. And that was an awesome moment for me. I know it was for my parents and you. Some of you have children that are following the Lord, but you know that some of you, if you've been to this church, you know the story of my mom and dad's life. And if God hadn't stepped in, boy, I, I wouldn't be here this morning at all. At all. And I grew up my whole life with my parents. I just knew. I, I knew a wonderful Christian home. And I knew there were things in my parents' life that they were ashamed of, but they never spoke about them. They just pointed us to Christ. They warned us, but th there was no like, th th there was no celebration of the past. There was no regret. There, I, I can't think of, there, I don't think there's ever a moment they, they said, man, 
I wish we hadn't started following Jesus with our life. You'll never meet a person. You'll never meet a person that makes it to the end and says, boy, I wish I hadn't given up that worldly life. Boy, I wish I hadn't loved Jesus so much. When does that happen? It happens in the moments of temptation, the moments of doubt, the moments of struggle. When we're tempted, will we yield to Christ? Will we yield? He says, remember what you were ashamed of. And it's a good check, checkpoint in our lives. It's a good checkpoint. We don't dwell in the past. And in some ways, the scripture speaks both ways about this. You go to Philippians and it says, I forget those things that are behind and I press toward the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. But every now and then, God says this, remember who you used to be. Not for the point of shame, not for the point of, of guilt, but be, for the point of the glory of God to see where he's brought you. And to look and say, look how far God has brought me. I'm just going to keep yielding. I'm just going to keep yielding. I'm going to keep surrendering. I'm going to keep letting God have first place. Because where was that lifestyle taking me? The fruit it said that the fruit of those things was death. In fact, I think that's back in verse number, um, yeah, verse, back to the, verse number 21. What fruit had ye then in those things wherein ye are now ashamed? The end of those things is what? Death. If Jesus hadn't reached down, if Jesus hadn't reached down and pulled us out of the gutter, pulled us out of our sin, that sin would have resulted in death. And not just the death of our bodies, but the death of our souls. Death in hell. And so now he says this, the lifestyle that you used to have, it was leading you to shame and death. But now your new life, this life of sanctification. He says in verse number 22, but now. That's an amen phrase right there, if ever, for your life, right? Like, if, if, if you're like, that's where, that's the path I was on. Oh, but now, but now, but now Jesus, but now forgiveness, but now grace, but now being made, say it with me, two words, being, or three words, being made what? Free from sin, free from sin, and become, three more words, servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That old life with its old behaviors was, sent, was a death sentence. But now, not because you've made yourself holy, but because you've been justified, because you've been made holy, now this new life in Christ, the end of it, it's leading to you, you to what? Eternal life. Everlasting life. But it's interesting here, he's speaking to Christians. I mean, their fate is, is settled. It's, to Christians, he's saying, listen, you were on your way to hell, now you're on your way to heaven, and his whole point, and this theme is found multiple times in the New Testament, the theme is this, because of who you are, I am who you say I am, it's great to sing it, but a lot of people sing it and don't live it. This is who you are. So live as who, as, as who God says you are. Live out that holiness. Be who Christ has called you to be. And the ultimate reminder is in Romans 6 and verse 23, the final verse. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What I love about this verse, listen now, what I love about this verse is that it applies perfectly to both believers in Christ and those who have not yet trusted Christ. Say, so what do you mean? I mean this. If you're in here this morning and you've never made the decision to personally place your faith in Jesus, if you've never done that, your wages, that means the payment, just like wages you get paid when you work your job, the payment for your sin, the payment for my sin, you say, I just want what I deserve. Well, the Bible says if we get what we deserve, the payment is death. Without Christ, your sins will condemn you to eternal death in hell. But the gift of God, it cannot be earned, cannot be achieved, it can only be received. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is just asking you to do one thing. Come to him with your sin and receive his forgiveness. If you've never trusted Christ, make the decision today. You say, how do I do it? Well, some people have put it really simply. ABC is just admit that you're a sinner. I believe that. My sin, I deserve death. Admit you're a sinner. Believe Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose again. And then just call on him. Just ask Him to save you. Tell Him your faith is in Him. Very simply. It's just a simple decision that you make. You don't have to, you don't have to do a religious thing. You don't have to say, say prayers or get baptized. You simply say, Lord Jesus, today my faith is in You. I'm a sinner. I believe You died for me. I ask You to save me. It's all you have to do, and you'll receive the gift of eternal life. Receive that gift today. But then you'd say, well, okay, good. I've done that, though. There's been a time in my life where I received the gift. Then the verse is like this. The application is this. So why would you live the way you lived when you were under the death sentence? Why would you live under the, under the control of sin when you are on the road to life? Live like someone who is receiving life. So as we conclude this morning, could you just, let's, we're going to have a time of reflection and response. We'll reflect on what we've heard and we'll respond to God's word. So if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to think about this this morning. First question, has there ever been a time in your life I mean, are you sure? If you die today, if you die today, are you sure that you're a child of God? Are you sure that your sins are forgiven? If not, I want to invite you to receive Christ right now. Right this moment, would you pray a prayer something like this? And it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the belief of your heart. But would you pray a prayer something like this? Say, Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I do admit that I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do to save myself. Nothing I can do to save myself. But I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose from the dead. And right now I ask you to save me. 
I put, Jesus, please save me. I put my faith and trust in you. I put my faith in you. If you did that this morning, I won't embarrass you or call out your name, but I'd like to pray for you. You said, Ethan, I trusted Christ this morning. I made that decision right now. Would you just put up your hand quickly and quietly put it down? Anyone in the room say, today I did that. Ethan, I trusted Christ today. I made sure this morning. If you're watching on, on the video today and you made sure, would you just send me a message? Just send a message to the church page. Say, today I trusted Christ as my Savior. Christians, now it's time for us. As we think about what we've heard this morning, is there something in your life that God is telling you to surrender or yield to? Is there something specific that God says, hey, I need you to yield this to me? As the piano softly plays, let's have a time of prayer. Would you give that to God? Would you surrender that to the Lord? We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.